I am really excited. We're going to start a new sermon series here this week. We had our friend Dan Bauman in last week. Anyone have a good time with Dan sharing his story? Man, just walking with God. Um, so the series is called Getting Unstuck. Getting Unstuck. And, you know, our desire in this series is to create a, uh, a series where we are talking about what does it mean to walk free, not just from sin, but from just the frustrations or the discouragement or disappointment or unbelief or fear or, or the divisions in our relations or whatever that, that plague us. And so each week is going to kind of build on another week. So I really encourage you to try and come uh, as many weeks as you can because I really believe there's going to be a significant season for the life of our church. And I believe God is going to take us to the other side. Many of us are going to be different people, I believe, by the end of this series. And we're going to be walking this stuff out in life group together. So I encourage you to jump in uh, to life group if you have not. Otherwise, uh, show up and, and get ready. We're going to have some fun. So, But what I want to start is by reading the Word of God. If you have a Bible, open up to Isaiah 61. If you don't have a Bible, we, uh, we will show it on the screens, but we'll also have some people walking Bibles down the aisle. So... Um, Isaiah 61, at the beginning of the chapter, it says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because he is a, the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to grant to those who mourn in Zion. To give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. I'm going to pray with me as we start. Father, thank you, not only for just this powerful scripture, but thank you for the work you have done to bring freedom and life and liberty and wholeness to your people. Father, we, we thank you that you are a good God. You are an amazing Savior. And I pray as we dive in today that we would literally leave the other side of the sermon series more free, more whole, changed with stronger marriages, stronger relationships, stronger friendships, because we are operating out of your freedom that you purchased for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, I know I, I shared a, a message similar to this last year, and like I joked last week, I liked it so much, decided to make a whole sermon series out of this, and um, I, I shared a story about being stuck uh, before, and I actually want to share a different story about uh, being stuck, because I've just been stuck a lot. I've made a lot of dumb decisions in my life. I was, uh, before I came to plant the church, I was talking to my pastor back in Texas when I was in church, and he said, Man, you made a lot of dumb choices. Going to make a lot of for a lot of great sermon illustrations. So sure enough, uh, you know, I was uh, uh, a freshman in college. I was back home. I'm from Minnesota. I was back home for the summer, and I was doing some landscaping. And I got a job doing like a significant landscaping project of this guy who's honestly like one of the like the more wealthy guys in the state of Minnesota. CEO of a big company. You might have heard of it. And so. I am doing this guy's landscaping, and he has this gator. It's like a, it's like a four- or six-wheeler kind of thing with like a, like a truck bed, but it's kind of like a four-wheeler. And we would go around, and see like, like 30 acres or something like this. We'd go around the property and kind of use the gator for stuff. And it was raining a lot that spring. It was like May. And so we were like, I don't know, 
like hacking down all these bushes. It was fun. We had chainsaws and everything. We're hacking down all this stuff and kind of wood chipping this whole area. But it had been raining a lot. So we took the gator down there, and sure enough, uh, that gator was pretty amazing, but it got stuck. And so at the time, uh, I had this truck as a Tahoe, and I had kind of like a little bit bigger wheels on it, and I had the brush guard, and I had the exhaust with like the glass packs on it. It was so cool. It was like, Y'all going to hear me when I come up, you know. Uh, so I had this truck, and I would kind of take it mudding sometimes, and I was proud of this truck, y'all. So I am like, I look at this gator, this little four-wheeler thing, and second, I'm like, no problem for my truck. So I'm like, I'm just going to gently drive my truck through his property. Now, if y'all have ever been on wet grass, and again, this guy's like a big deal. So I'm like gently like, don't mess up his grass. I'm going to just drive this down, get this thing unstuck. I had like an like a 80-pound chain I carry in the back of my truck. So I'm like, I'm so cool. I'm going to pull anyone out at any time if they need help. So I get my big like chain out, my towing chain. I'm like, we're just going to whip this guy out of here. No problem. So I back up. You know, and I'm like in his yard, and sure enough, I get stuck in this like swampy part of his yard. So I'm like, dang, we got this thing stuck. I got, I got my truck is now stuck in his yard. And so sure enough, I'm like, I'm going to call this guy, like CEO guy. I'm like, hey, uh, I not only got your gator thing stuck, my truck is stuck in your yard. So he has to leave, come home. And sure enough, I'm like deep, I, I open my door, and I'm like pushing mud. Uh, like, it's like coming into like, you know, part of my floor. I'm like, oh. So we have to get this massive tow truck, rips up like his entire lawn and that whole area. Anyways, uh, sure enough, we got the truck unstuck. He was super gracious. But man, in that moment, I'm like, this thing is stuck. There's mud coming in. It's, it's a mess. So when I was thinking of, of stuck, you know, um, I know I shared a couple funny pictures last year, and I can't, I can't resist your couple more stuck pictures. You know, um, I, I was, one picture, a lot of times kids will get stuck. Y'all have those pictures back there. A lot of times kids will get stuck. How about this? Now, I don't blame this kid, right? He is in the grabber machine. So he has somehow managed to get in the door that you open to get the toys that you, you know, drop out. He has managed to get in there and, uh, again, seemed like a great idea at first. I don't blame him. And then he realized, you can have all the toys in the world, but if you're stuck in the machine, they're not going to do you very good. But I was surprised at the number of adult pictures getting stuck, uh, many of them involving playgrounds or various things, but we'll start with this one. Stuck in a swing, you see numerous uh, fire department there rescuing him from the swing. Once again, adults in playgrounds, parents, you know, just get ready to call 911 if you join the playground. Got another picture. That, those, I actually read the story in this. Those are, uh, that's the fire department as well, getting him out of the window in the playground. So uh, there's the fire department. <laughs> Now, there were numerous pictures on there of people being stuck in these twirly things. And sure enough, here's another one. Now, I just want to pause here for a second. <coughs> I like that I need an adult. I don't know what was going on in his mind at the moment. Like, like, it's one thing to kind of like start to get in there and be like, this is a little tight. I wonder if I should maybe not do this. It's another thing to like go a little farther and get a little more stuck. Somehow... 
He has like embraced the thing wholesale and has decided to go all the way down. I don't know what was going on in his mind, like at the second or third rung down, but he somehow managed to get all the way down. You know, you know he's probably thinking, man, uh, what is going on? How long am I going to be here? How much money am I going to pay to get out of here? I'm going to have to pay the city to get out. You know, he's feeling that moment of like, oh, this is a good idea to like, this is kind of tight, to I don't know what's going on, to this is bad, I am stuck, and that, that feeling of hopelessness or that feeling of discouragement or fear starts to set in, and sure enough, there you are, needing an adult. Uh, but uh, So obviously we're, we're having some fun here, but I think we have all felt stuck before in different areas of our life. Maybe, maybe it's kind of like a sin pattern, something that we don't want to do, but we end up keep doing, as Paul taught about Romans 7, said that we're like, Man, I don't want it, but I feel stuck in this action or in this thing. And so often we think, when we think stuck, that's kind of what we think, you know, sin. But I think it goes so much deeper than that. And God has so much more than just not sinning for us, right? So often we get stuck in bitterness or unforgiveness. Sometimes... Uh, you know, uh, growing up, maybe something happened with our family or someone did something to us or even in our marriages or in our work relationship. We carry around the weight of feeling bitter and we start to wall up because we haven't forgiven people. Or maybe in your relationships. Maybe it's some of you with your friends. When you get around certain people, it's just, man, I feel so insecure around this group. Or maybe it's in your marriage. And maybe you have a great marriage in some different places, but there's a few areas that, for whatever reason, when this conversation comes up, walls go up. Or maybe you started out your walk with God full of faith, or God gave you a vision for something in a career, or something being a parent, or, or whatever it is, and all of a sudden that process didn't play out quite as you expected or thought it should. And all of a sudden the faith and the hope that you entered in with it's not what's in your heart, and, and you look down at your heart and what you see instead of faith and hope and excitation is discouragement, fear, and a sense of failure. And maybe that, maybe some of us here, we feel so deep stuck that all we feel so often when we think of God or when we think of um, moving forward in an area is just a sense of shame. And I don't want to risk. I don't want to grow in God because I feel like when I try, I always fail in my marriage or in my relationship with God or in my finances or whatever, name the area of life. And what happens when we get stuck, just as these guys feel stuck, when we feel stuck, man, what happens? We carry around all these weights and these things. Like this is a heavy stand, you know, and so often we're, we're, we're stuck and we're carrying around unforgiveness and we're carrying around, hello, we're carrying around, you know, unforgiveness and we're showing up to work and it's like, oh, man, I'm exhausted just to get here. I got unforgiveness with my spouse and when I left work or, man, oh, showing up to work, man, I don't want to be in this meeting because I'm so frustrated with all these people. Or, man, I had faith and I entered in this job or this area of life that God's calling me to, but now it just feels so heavy, kind of like believing God's promises are true and believing that God is good. Or, man, I love spending, I, I used to love spending time with God, but now it just feels like an obligation. I feel like I never do enough and I just feel shame. It just feels like a weight. 
And what happens, we feel fatigued, and all of a sudden, our relationships start to deteriorate. Walls start to go up, and, and hope starts to go down. And we wonder, probably like the guy in that twirly thing, how did I get here? <laughs> you know, I don't have no idea how he got there. <clears throat> but all of us, we felt in our lives, and whatever, we're stuck. That wasn't our intention, to get stuck. That's not the trajectory we set out to be in whatever area that we feel stuck in. But the reality is, all of a sudden, we find ourselves stuck, which we've all related to, and wonder, how did I get here? I want to say, I've been there before. <laughs> you name the list of things I just went down. I felt all of those I shared back on Easter. And when I met Jesus, I was ready to end my life. I was making a plan how I was going to end my life. And it's been a journey since then. And I don't know what's, what's going on with you in your life, but man, I've got good news. Because when I read this passage in Isaiah 61 that we read earlier, who did Jesus come for? This is this passage is speaking, it's a promise of Jesus, a promise of a future Messiah who would come and save and deliver and restore and make whole. And what it doesn't say is that he would bring good news to the religious, although it is good news for the religious. It doesn't say he'd bring good news to those who have it together. He'd bring good news to people who cleaned up their life and cleaned up their marriage and then came to church and put a face on No, it says, who does he bring good news to? The poor, the brokenhearted, to captives, to those who are bound Right, we bound. Like we read the Bible and we're like, "Oh, nice flowery language." Being bound. Have you ever been bound? Have you ever been stuck? You know that guy was stuck in that thing. This is this is for real. Bound. Like like I feel hopeless. I feel no way out of here. I want to step forward, but I'm bound. I want to get free, but literally my hands are tied. I feel like I can't do anything. Man, it's good news for you today if that's you. What else does it say? It says, those who, whose lives feel like a pile of ashes, those who are mourning, and those who are faint of spirit. And is that anyone here? It may not be your whole life, but part of your life, part of your friendship with someone else, part of your marriage, part of your you know, career, whatever. Does that relate to any of us here? Because I think if we're to be honest, we all relate to that in some way or another. We're all in process. And you're in good company with people throughout Scripture. Because when God meets people, and even along the way, he typically didn't meet them in a great place. And it's typically a long journey for them to get to go, for the call to go. Abraham was called by God to have kids, you know, and, and, and have, have a son that would bless generations to come, and he was old. <laughs> Moses was a murderer who ran and pretty much had made very little of his life. Gideon was a guy locked in fear who was to be a mighty conqueror. David, after he met God, was an adulterer and a murderer. Matthew, we could assume maybe he loved money. It's a tax collector. Paul was religiously proud. The list goes on and on and on where God meets people at. I want to say the good news is that Jesus came to the earth. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Jesus came to meet you where you're at. Whether you're here and you don't have a relationship with God, this kind of, you're looking from the outside, I want to say Jesus wants to meet you where you're at today. 
Or you're here and you've been a part of this church, you've been a part of the church your whole life. Jesus wants to meet you where you're at today, wherever you feel bound, wherever you feel stuck. You know, in our culture, we have developed all these different ideas of ways to get unstuck, formulas. We pay money and get this thing, or we take a pill to get skinny, or we've developed all these different things we do to kind of make the process easier. But, but as we look at this passage and throughout Scripture, what was it that brought transformation? What is it that, that takes a pile of ashes of someone's life and turns it into something beautiful? What is it that would take something, someone that is bound, and set them free? It was Jesus. And as we start this series, I want to lay kind of a theological foundation Freedom is not a formula or a feeling. Freedom is a person, and his name is Jesus. Freedom is not a formula or a feeling you have that's fleeting. Freedom is a person, a reality, and his name is Jesus. And he is raised from the dead, and he's alive. He's alive here in this room. You know, in the context of this, the people of God, this is, this is a prophecy of, of Jesus, the Messiah, who had come and bring the good news to people. And you see that confirmed because when Jesus started his ministry in the Gospels, the first, the, kinda, his first kind of public reading of Scripture, what did he do at the beginning of his ministry? He read this passage. And he got up and, and, and said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, speaking of himself. And then he reads through this, basically prophesying of what his ministry is and what his ministry would be. And then he closes it and says, today this has been fulfilled in your hearing. This is who Jesus is. This is who he is. You know that word save, we talk about Jesus saving. That word save in the Greek doesn't mean just to get to heaven. It means to heal, to deliver, to make whole, to restore. And I believe one day when Jesus returns, everything that is wrong will be made right. But we see Jesus when he was walking around in the earth. He didn't just get to heaven. He literally brought heaven. What you see in the minutes, he went around literally saving, making whole. Everything he did, he, there's no one like him, right? He would stoop down and offer forgiveness to a woman who's being shamed by religious zealots. He would offer forgiveness to a woman who had been married five times and still committing adultery, and she would actually be used by God to start a revival. He stood up against religious tyranny and oppression. He would touch those who were outcasted, who had leprosy, who literally you shouldn't even touch for health reasons. He would go to the outcast, and he'd touch them, and they'd be made whole. He pushed up against uh, cultural boundaries and cultural norms to bring his kingdom. And people believed that if they touched him, they would be healed and made whole, and that they were. Jesus met people where, where they were at, and when he left, their lives were changed. You see, when we look at Scripture, Moses went on to be a man that was fleeing and made nothing of his life to deliver the people of God. God met Gideon, a fearful man, and he became a mighty warrior. Paul went on to be a man uh, of not bitterness and religion. Paul went on to be a man of tenderness and love and humility. What happened? It wasn't a formula. It's that they walked with God. 
And what did, what did it say in this passage would happen in Isaiah 61 to the poor, to the brokenhearted, the captive? It said, the poor would hear the good news. Those of us today who are brokenhearted, maybe you have something going on. Maybe something difficult has happened in your life recently. Maybe someone left you. Maybe someone died. Maybe something hasn't gone as planned, and you're brokenhearted, and you would want to say, man, this feels like my portion in life. It says that he will bind up our brokenheartedness. It says that he will set the captives free. It says for the prisoners, those, that, those of us that feel in prison, that the prison doors would be open. Those of us who are mourning, it says he will comfort us. Those of us who feel like our lives are filled with ashes of destruction, it said he would give us a beautiful headdress. And those of us who have a faint spirit, he give us a spirit of praise. And the result of all that, God would take our messed up lives and make us into oaks of righteousness. Oaks of righteousness. I don't know if you've ever seen an oak tree before. It's beautiful. It's strong. It's huge. It provides tons of shade. It's sturdy. God didn't make oaks out of people that had it together. God makes oaks out of broken, messed up people like you and me. I want to say, God is raising up a room of oaks here. But he doesn't just want to say, hey, now go do a bunch of religious stuff and go change the world. God wants to heal and restore your heart. Why do we stay kind of in bondage to things? It's because we're looking for love, man. We're looking, man, food, food is easy because when my life gets chaos, chaotic, food is always a steady place. It's going to love me, Right? Or when, when I feel insecure, I'll just put up walls again so I won't get hurt again. And we're just, I'll just love myself and kind of keep to myself. So no, and, and what happens? People hurt us, but a person named Jesus enters into our hurt, and he heals us and restores us and sets us free. <clears throat> Jesus doesn't want to just make you an oak and just, boom, one day he's going to step into whatever prison you're in. He wants to step into whatever bondage you're in and start the process of healing and restoring and giving hope and giving beauty and giving, giving life again where it feels like there's death. I know I shared some of my story a couple weeks ago on Easter. God met me at the end of my life, at the end, uh, what I thought would be the end of my life, where I had no hope and God gave me hope. He took my shame and gave me a purpose. Some of you are there today, but it didn't end there. God, if you're there today, God wants to meet you today. But then throughout my journey, I was insecure of other people. I was afraid of rejection. And what happened as I was in the church in relationships, Jesus came in. He started to heal the rejection of the past. He started to heal the places I felt like I didn't measure up. And there's even places in me because... Man, I got saved, but my heart was still messed up in some ways. I thought I had to kind of perform and spend time with God for him to love me. And I remember feeling like I'm going to spend time with God and do all these things so he loves me. And I remember just feeling like a failure four years into being a Christian. Just feeling like, man, I'm, I'm doing all these things. I'm trying to be a great person. I feel like I, I keep failing God. And I remember reading the scripture and being in a season where God literally took me where I'm like, I feel like I can barely pray. I used to pray for like hours at times. I feel like I can't even pray for five minutes now. He made me weak so he could love me. God, I had it together before as a Christian. I, I feel like I can't do it. And where did he meet me at my lowest point again and again where God has made me weak? He's loved me. He's healed me. He's restored me. 
Your healing is not a formula. Your process is not, it's not going to be some perfect process. It's going to be walking with a person who enters into the hurt and pain of your heart and brings salvation. God is doing it again and again. God has done it since we've planned this church. I've had hurts and pains and frustration and not knowing what to do at times, and I've had a Savior walk me through. I've had a Savior get me past my disappointment. I've had a Savior walk me through my insecurities. I've had a Savior who tells me again and again, hey, don't give up hope because I'm on the move. If you've been a Christian your whole life and you're struggling, and saving, you know, he saved you, but he wants to keep saving and restoring your heart. Well, you might kind of say, man, you know, I pray, I spend time with God, and I don't feel like that's my experience. The weight of unforgiveness, the weight of rejection, the weight of these things feels just heavier. It feels heavier. <coughs> and that's the reality is when we are operating out of unforgiveness, we're going to get in it, by the way, throughout this series. We're going to get in. Like, how do you walk emotionally with God? How do you process emotionally with God? How do you walk through unforgiveness when it feels like a mountain that you'll never be able to cross? How do you walk through rejection? We're going to talk about that this series, and I think uh, you'll be encouraged. I mean, uh, again, I don't think uh, five-week series or whatever is going to be the end-all, be-all, but it, I believe it's going to move us forward. But when we operate out of forgiveness, we, we let hurt and pain in our lives. And so at times, that becomes heavy, especially if it's piled on thing after thing after thing. I want to say... Jesus overcame death by his death on the cross and the resurrection. Let me say it like this. There's nothing in your life, there's no death or feeling of death or destruction in your life that Jesus did not conquer on the cross and being raised from the dead. There's nothing in your life that is death and has caused death in your life that Jesus did not defeat in his death and resurrection. Let me kind of lay a little theological foundation for this, right? Because Sometimes it feels so heavy, and we just we kind of operate, and I've operated in many seasons out <laughs> of discouragement. Um, obviously, we've been looking at our scripture, but 1 John 3, 8, I love this scripture. It says, the purpose, the Son of Man, talking about Jesus, the purpose, the Son of Man came was to destroy the works of the devil. How many of you know that unforgiveness and bitterness and discouragement and fear, I mean, it's a normal human experience, so you're not weird if you got that going on, but that is a, that is a destruction that comes from sin. It's a work of the devil, right? It's destruction in our life, and, and Jesus came to heal. So what does that word mean, to destroy the works of the devil? That literally means, that word literally means, in the Greek, to loosen from, to loosen from. So I don't know what kind of destruction you feel like in, in your life has you kind of in bondage, like literally held on to you. Like, I want to run, but I can't because this thing's holding to me. What Jesus did on the cross was literally, that, that scripture literally means to, you've been loosed. By the power of the cross, you have been loosed. Let me take it a little deeper here. Galatians chapter 4, verse 3 through 7. In the same way, now the Galatians, and they had these teachers uh, of the law, they had, they had the law of God, but then they were adding all these kind of religious things to it, and Paul's coming to say, no, 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 it's not in the law or doing works that you've been free, it's in Christ. And so he says, in the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. 
So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Well, we just pause right there. That's good. That's good news. Let me unpack this for a little bit, kind of just to help us understand this. So there's four kind of Greek words for redeem. This, just this one alone, uh, uh, this word redeem kind of refers literally oftentimes back to the idea of a slave market. So um, what, what would happen in the slave market these days, literally, people, you know, would be bound and they would be sold like a piece of meat against their will. So they're in bondage. They know what it's like to be in bondage. They know what it's like to have to be stuck in places that are against their will. And although hopefully none of us have had to experience that in the natural, I think some of us feel that at times emotionally. We're stuck in a place where it feels like situations or people or fears are controlling us and telling us where to go and what to do and when to do it. You'll never have a strong relationship because of this. You'll always be bitter because you'll never get past that hurt and pain of the past. If someone did that to you, you'll never be able to forgive them. What that word uh, literally means, that redeem, kind of two different words in the Greek there. Uh, One is is, is kind of literally paints a picture that, that he came in and he brought us out. So what did Jesus do? He entered in to the grimy, dirty slave market that we were in. He entered into the world. He enters into our reality. He enters into our pain. And what does he do there? He didn't just pay a few dollars to buy you. He gave everything. He he looked at you and said, I want that one. Because they are not made for slavery. They are not made for bondage. They are not made for destruction. They are made for a purpose. They're made in the image of God. And he chose you. He chose you before the, you were born. Before the, he, he chose you and predestined you, Scripture said. If you are a believer, he chose you. And what did he do? He paid the full price. He said, I will take that one, and you can take my life so that one can go free. What does that mean? It literally, that Greek word, redeem, literally means he came in and he brought us out. He brought us out. He came in. He paid the price of his life. He raised from the dead to defeat death. And he brought you out, not just so you could, uh, not just so you could be not in slavery, but that you could have a life again and a purpose and freedom. Isn't that good news? That is the picture that that scripture is painting. That's this picture that we see in kind of throughout scripture. Jesus setting the captives free. So I said, he didn't just pay the price to purchase us, but he paid the price to give us a new life. Let me unpack this just a little bit further before we're going to end in a few minutes. A few scriptures. This is what we have in Christ. In Christ, because of the work of Jesus, you can get that list up there. Colossians 1.13 says, we've been delivered out of the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. Some of you are in a dark place, but I want to say, positionally before God, you are in the kingdom. You might feel like you've fallen out. You might feel like you've fallen short. You might feel like your, your life looks more dark than it does light. But if you are saved, if you have Christ, you've been transferred from a kingdom of darkness, and you are now positionally in the kingdom of light. You might not be living like it. You might not be feeling like it, but you have been transferred, and that is a greater reality than even what we feel. I'm just getting started. 2 Peter first, uh, 
chapter 1, verse 4, you've escaped the corruption of this world. Now, we feel it, but Scripture says we've escaped it by the power of the cross. It says in 1 Peter 1, 4, 2 Peter 1, 4, we're partakers of his divine nature. Romans 6 says we're dead to sin, and we're freed from sin, and we're alive to God. You might feel dead and stuck, but Scripture says that's not who you are. That's in the past. That's been crucified with Christ, and now you're alive to God. Isn't that good news? It says in Galatians chapter 2, we're crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Jesus who is living his life through me. We're doing baptism in a little bit, and we're going to say, we're going to quote this scripture, Romans chapter 6, verse 4, you were buried with Christ in baptism, and you were raised through the resurrection of Christ to walk in the newness of life. As I've quoted before, Romans 8, 11 says, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of you. I don't know how stuck you feel, but positionally before God, you are free. You are walking in the power. You've been let free. Colossians 3, 3 says, you've been hidden with Christ in God. Ephesians 2, 6 says, you've been raised with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places. You might feel like you're stuck in the decay of this world, but in the spirit, you are seated with Christ. You're seated above it, and you're with God. You're in Christ, and nothing you can do will make you fall out of that if you are his. We're born of God and of one that the devil cannot touch, 1 John 5, 18. And because I'm freed by God, I am free indeed. Amen? And what we do is we so often look at our lives that don't reflect that at times. And we say, this is just my reality. I'm stuck. But what scripture says happened on the cross is such a greater reality. That old self has been killed with Christ. That old self has been put to death. That old self is not only who you are, it has no more power over you anymore. You might feel like you're deep in, man. And I know what that feeling is like to be deep in, whether it's sin or unforgiveness or whatever. You might feel deep in, but scripture says you've been let free. And not only that, the resurrection power of Jesus is now living inside of you to walk out that freedom. Y'all need to get this because this transformed me. When I was trying to perform for God, I had to realize praying and doing things for God has nothing to do with my standing with God. I pray because I'm one with God. I don't fight for freedom. I fight because I'm free. I don't, uh, you know, try to make myself looking like a child of God. I am a child of God, therefore I live free, knowing that I have a Father who's going to provide for me. I'm going to talk more about this next week, so come back. It's going to be good. (laughs) Now, let me just end by this. You know, you might say, this is amazing, and I know some of these scriptures. Maybe I've heard them before, but why do so many of us live like it's not true? Let me use a little illustration. Uh, they did a study years ago, and they showed that elephants, you know, who've been in the circus, you know, kind of circus elephants. Uh, any circus fans here? Come on, circus elephants. I've got a couple circus fans here. Circus elephants, when they're let go of their time, now, you get a picture. They're always in this little cage being trucked around from place to place or city to city. When they're let go and they're done being circus elephants, they said, hey, you're freed from, from this little box cage you've been in all the time, you're free. They stay in there. The door is open. They just stay in there. Because all they've known is how to be a slave. 
All they've known is how to think like I just, I'm told what to do and I, I do it and I'm pushed around and this and that. The door's open, right? The elephant's physically free, but it's mentally still in prison. <clears throat> and we're gonna unpack this throughout the series, y'all, so, so come back, it's gonna be fun. <clears throat> but listen, so many of us, we are free in Christ. It is finished. Jesus said, nothing of your past is over your head if you're a believer. It's been forgiven. You've been given power. You've been given love. You've been given a new life. But because we, we feel like that's still true, we stay stuck in the cages of our depression, our frustration, our bitterness, our unforgiveness. We stay stuck in our marriage cycles. We stay stuck in whatever it is. But here's what Galatians 5.1 says. Paul said this, it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a, a yoke of slavery. It's for freedom. He didn't just set you free to make you a better person. He didn't just set you free so he could use you to do good things. He didn't just set you free, you know, so you could do good works. He set you free for freedom's sake. And I want to say, brothers and sisters, do not settle for less. It might be a journey. <laughs> I'm still on that journey. It might be a process. It might be ups and downs. There might be days you feel the opposite of these scriptures. But do not settle and say, this is my portion. Is a broken this and broken that and saying stuck in my this or that. So many of us were used to kind of metaphorically to living in Egypt. Living, you know, the people of God were in Egypt uh, in bondage and slavery, and, 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 and Moses brought about and something. It was just more, I'm just familiar with Egypt. It would be better to go back. We had food there. You know, it, it's better to be a slave. So often, we came out with faith that God had great things for life, and then life happened, and we're more comfortable to just, I don't really fully believe this, because I'd rather just kind of believe the right things, but stay in Egypt. And that voice comes our head, and you'll never amount to anything. Why, you know, why do we stay in Egypt? Because, duh, let's go into the promises of God, right? Let's, let's believe God. Let's believe that's true. Well, we have an enemy of our soul. And you have an old way of thinking that would say, I'll never amount to anything. I'll always fail. Uh, you know, God moves in everyone else's life, but not mine. I'm less gifted than everyone else. I'll always slip into pornography. Your, you know, your marriage will never be great because I'll always keep doing this offense with my spouse or my kids or whatever. No one will ever date you because of that issue in your life. God's forgotten about you. I don't know what the tape reel is in your head, but that tape reel will keep you a slave when you're not a slave. But what is Galatians 5, 1? Because when you see, we, we sit down, that voice comes and we just kind of, I'll just sit down. I'm just kind of discouraged. I am a failure. I just, yeah, I'm a failure. I am, I want to nod to anything. No, I'm going to show up to church and kind of go through the motions, but I don't really have faith. I don't really have hope. I don't really have, you know, what is Galatians 5? It says, stand firm. You got to stand up and shake it off, right? It says, stand firm in the grace of God that's been given to us, right? We need to stand firm, and I want to say, man, I shook some stuff off this week, right? Because, man, what, you know, I was a bozo, and I didn't, like, do anything super crazy, but, man, I just feel like, man, I'm going to love my wife in this way. And again and again, I keep falling short in the same area of loving my wife. And I'm like, that thing of failure wanted to come on me. And then I feel like, man, life's been busy. I feel like I'm not being a good. And that thing of failure wanted to come back. And I said, no, 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 this is not my portion. By sitting in my thought that I'm a failure, we'll, no, we'll do no good to anyone. We'll just, I'll be focusing on me. 
I had to stand firm and say, I feel like a failure, but I'm loved by God. I feel like this, but I'm a child of God. And I feel like this, and I'm going to take courage again. It says, stand firm. Jesus is greater than your stuff. I don't know what your stuff is because I got it too. Jesus is greater than your stuff. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I want to invite us to stand as we start. We're going to get a little more practical throughout the week, and I want to say this may be a journey for some of us. I'm going to say, oh, I can leave today, and it'll be like, boom, you know. Israel had to begin the journey somewhere walking out of Egypt. It starts with a few steps. And I think so often we feel stuck in the journey because we have the wrong way of thinking. Scripture says to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You're believing all kinds of, all kinds of joy. We're going to unpack that more next week. What I want to start by doing is we respond today and saying, I will stand firm in the power of the cross. I will stand firm where you have given up hope, where you have given up and said, I will just die in this place in my life. My marriage in this place will just die. My hope in this place will just die. My calling in this place will just die. My whatever freedom from this sin will just die. I'll just stay stuck here. I want to invite us to stand in hope today in the that Jesus and the work of the cross is greater than whatever that thing is.